Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. As off-season is in full swing for the Bucks, as I mentioned on yesterday's pod, the stories, the rumors, the suggestions are going to be coming in thick and fast about the Bucks and what they should do during this off-season. I know, Frank, you've had a lot of people that uh, you know ask you questions over the over Twitter or over whatever platform it may be, I've had the same. I think a lot of the questions so far have been centered around the coach, Mike Budenholzer, and I think it's worth discussing, I guess, what we've learned over the first two years of Bud being coach with the Bucks. I know you spoke to some people. I spoke to some people, obviously, my feelings around this. I think I've said this before. I don't think Bud is going anywhere uh, next season. I think he's going to be coach of the Bucks. There was a report that came out this morning from Shams that suggests that is going to be the case. We are on the same page here, aren't we? We both believe, whether for better or worse, and we can get into it, Bud is going to be the coach of Milwaukee next season. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think from a... Um, you, you just sort of do the math on how these decisions are made, uh, and it just seems like um, if we're going to be very pragmatic and, you know, to a degree cynical about uh, the kind of power structures and forces that would lead to Bud being either retained or fired. I think it's always been pretty obvious that he would be retained. Um, and I, I think, you know, if I were just to break it down, I mean, I think the starting point is always Giannis. And, you know, I think Giannis, obviously, you know, in two years with Bud, he's been an MVP twice and a defensive player of the year once. Um, you know, Giannis is also just an inherently loyal guy. So, uh, you know, I think that's also just a, a benefit. Any coach who coaches Giannis is probably going to have some benefit there and that Giannis is not going to be looking to get his coach fired. And again, maybe that changes at some point. Um, maybe at some point a playoff loss triggers Giannis to change his mind. And I mean, maybe a week from now, Giannis decides that there's some fundamental flaw with Bud and that could change everything. But, you know, it all starts with Giannis. And if Giannis wants Bud here, then Bud's going to be here. Uh, kind of full stop. But even beyond that, um, and this kind of maybe starts taking us down the rabbit hole a little bit, but I mean, here's the thing about the Bucs, right? I mean, where this team was two years ago versus what we've seen, you know, at least in the regular season, and obviously they've been much better in the playoffs than certainly they were before this, right? I mean, you know, winning playoff series period where something that didn't happen before Budenholzer as, as maybe low a bar as that might seem. Um, but I think the thing for this Bucks team is, and this Bucks organization, like, you know, the Bucks, like every team, they all want to be the Spurs. They all want to be, you know, this uh, fortress of, uh, you know, stability and uh, they're going to be, you know, stable and they're going to contend every year for decades and blah, blah, blah. Right. Everybody wants to, to get to that level. 
Um, and when you think about what, what has like been the biggest force in terms of turning the bucks into at least having, let me say this, at least to many people having the appearance of, of being in that more heading towards that. I mean, Bud is the, is the single biggest reason for that. You know, I mean, you, you know, John Horst won an executive of the year, but we know Bud has an outsized impa- impact for a coach on personnel. We know that, you know, when you think about the ethos of this team and what this, from a basketball side, you know, what has made this team kind of tick. Uh, I mean, it's not been ownership's leadership leadership it's not been you know the front office leadership it's been mike budenholzer right and his staff and what they have brought to this team and i'm sure we'll get into the shortcomings of that that have been on full display especially over these past couple weeks or even you know longer if you want to expand that to the entire bubble but i think the scary thing for the milwaukee bucks is if you fire mike budenholzer what do you have really what 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 basketball infrastructure do you have that you really believe is going to carry you? Now, obviously, Giannis, Chris Middleton, those are the obvious answers, right? This would be a job that would be extremely appealing if you're a free agent coach. But, um, you know, if you told me you can go out and hire the next Brad Stevens, the next Nick Nurse, the next Eric Spolstra, then I would say no-brainer go to it, right? If one of those guys was banging down your door to be this head, the head coach of this team, I would say no brainer. Sorry, bud. Here's your, you know, 12, 13, four, whatever, whatever, whatever millions of dollars they still owe him on his contract and you move forward. But we all know that that level of certainty isn't there. Those guys are not available. There's a lot of random guys available. There's maybe the next Nurk nurse is out there somewhere, but if you're the bucks in your ownership, your front office, do you believe at the end of the day that you're going to go find that guy and that you can do that in a way that is not going to piss off principally Giannis, right? Cause you're in a very obviously tenuous time with Giannis. Um, do you really believe that now you'd hope that they would believe that they could find a great coach if they got rid of bud. Um, I personally am skeptical, you know, uh, <laughs> that they're just going to go out and hire the next Nick nurse, even though I think that should obviously be the goal. So, you know, I think again, like just, you just think about what this franchise is and what, you know, where they were before bud, where they are now with him and for all of his flaws, especially in the postseason, um, I think you strip away him and obviously, you know, you put aside the players. Uh, I, I think that's a very scary thing. And I think also if you fire bud, then, you know, if you're the front office and ownership, if you fall short again next year, where is everybody going to be looking to put the blame? It's going to be on you. Right now, it's, it's Mike Budenholzer. If you fire Mike Budenholzer, replace him, and then inevitably you don't win a championship next year, which is always going to be the most likely outcome no matter who you hire, right? It's really hard to win championships. All of a sudden, you're the next guy that's going to get fired. And, you know, GMs get, what, they get to hire two new coaches is the old adage. I think that's something that that everybody in that front office, principally John Horst, is probably thinking about right now as far as how desperate are they to make a move and you know what's what how decisive are they willing to be? And I think it's always been obvious that they would not be decisive and they would rather stick with what they know and hope that they can improve, which you know was also kind of part of the sub you know the subtext of that sham story that 
well, you know, conversations about they have to get better, blah, 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 you know, again, probably the implication there that Bud needs to figure some shit out and get smarter and he has to adapt next year. But, you know, whether he can, what that means, that's obviously a, a much bigger question that we won't know for quite some time. Okay, Frank, it is Friday and you know what that means? I'm probably ordering DoorDash tonight. And you know what the good thing about tonight is? Uh, my Australian football team. By the way, I think I've told you guys, I host Locked On AFL, so make sure uh, you subscribe, of course, to Locked On AFL and listen to me talk about Australian football. But tonight, my team, Geelong, they're playing Richmond. I'll be getting DoorDash. I'll probably get, I don't know, I'll probably get a hamburger. I might get pizza. I don't know what I'm going to be eating. But the good thing about DoorDash right now is that despite restaurants being closed, despite the fact that maybe you can't go into the restaurant and sit down, DoorDash is there to help you out. The deliveries in our contactless, they keep communities we are operating in completely safe, which is the main thing right now during the pandemic. With over 300,000 partners in the US, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, the Cheesecake Factory. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with that contactless delivery drop-off setting that I already mentioned. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees with their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code LOCKEDONNBA. That's LOCKEDONNBA, $5 off and zero delivery fees with an order of over $15. Don't forget, code LOCKEDONNBA. $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Anyway, that is my soapbox time, Kane. We have probably <laughs> another three hours we could spend on this topic, but where do you want to go from, from my little soapbox rant? Well, I, I think I agree with a lot of what you said. I always go back, and I've spent obviously the last few days, as a lot of people have, thinking about this and trying to... I think the important thing is to try and separate from the the emotional reaction to what we just saw in the postseason and when i go back to the bucks signing mike budenholzer as coach my first reaction when they signed him was this probably ensures that the bucks are going to be a a good team for the next few years they're going to be good they're going to win a lot of games is it a a signing that you feel like it might give you the maximum ceiling no it felt like a, a floor raiser for sure and i think that we've seen that and, I mean, you look at the record through the regular season, 116 wins, 139 losses, 74.8%. I mean, he's certainly done that. And I think what he's brought is, as you sort of pointed to, st- stability with the game plan, stability with, within, the bar, within the locker room, within the team. You think about where they came from with Jason Kidd. So the positives with Bud are there. I think the positives were to be expected. And I think the big thing that he's brought, and he's always been the case, he's a player's coach. The players love it. They absolutely love Bud. And Giannis loves him. And I know people will say, well, you like Jason Kidd too. This is a little bit different. He genuinely has the respect of the entire locker room. They like this guy. The problem is when deciding if you wanted to keep Bud for next year, for me, when I think about this is we know that the Bucs are in a, a high pressure situation right now where the franchise is riding on Giannis staying around long term. And we've all spoken about this. I mean, if he leaves anyway, then, then what does it matter? You're not going to get back a similar guy like this. You might not get a similar guy like this for decades. So the question that the front office would have, aside from the money values that you spoke about, Frank, the decision they have to make is, if we fire this guy, like you pointed to, who are we bringing in? And I, I think that the, the safe play for this team, and you can say, well, now's not the time to play safe. I certainly respect that. 
But if you're this team and you do change coach right now and you bring in another guy and, and it just is, is a disaster and it's not the way it works out, then I don't think there's any chance Giannis is staying because I don't believe, and we've spoken about this a lot, I don't think that Giannis is signing an extension uh, this, this offseason. And maybe he'll do something shorter. I guess I should say I don't believe he's signing a five-year Supermax. So with that in mind, again, the Bucks <laughs> they're in a really difficult position where you better be bloody good next year because if not, you can lose him. And firing the coach and moving on in that situation is, is putting that at, at huge risk because I think we know, even though there's going to be personnel changes, and I'm, I'm of the belief that I think the roster needs to change. We've seen their limitations in the postseason multiple years in a row. If you bring all those guys back, I think you're going to have the same result regardless of who coaches because I just don't think you have the personnel offensively that's going to win you games in the postseason towards the pointy end of the postseason, that is. So I, I think that we can be certain that if Bud is around and Giannis is there, the Bucks are going to be really good in the regular season. I think it's more important, like you pointed to, that this report that came out, that ownership and everyone has to be aware that you can keep Bud around, but he, ha- he has to change. And something has to change with the way he coaches his team in the regular season because two years in a row, they haven't been prepared for the postseason. And, and honestly, that's not good enough. It's not good enough to get to the postseason and do that again. Yeah, I mean, and, and the, thing, the thing about this year is, um, you know, when you think about the lack of experimentation and, you know, not ramping up Giannis and Chris's minutes, I mean, r- really taking, you know, the, the, um, the minute load, the, the load management even further this year than last year. I mean, Giannis averaged almost 33 minutes a game last year. This year he was below 31, right? I mean, it's kind of crazy the extent to which um, he was able to play so many guys and still be so wildly successful. I mean, <laughs> that's the thing too. Like, like we, we, we should not in all of this, like, lose sight of how crazy it is that, you know, Mike Budenholzer has, you know, and we, and we can say, well, yeah, he's optimized for regular season, you know, 25 teams would happily like hack the regular season, you know, and, and, and do what the bucks, you know, you could say, well, you know, the, the, the elite teams like opt not to do kind of what the bucks do. Cause you know, they're, they have their eyes on bigger things. And I think there's a lot of validity to that. Um, but you know, most teams would gladly, you know, if it was just a matter of saying like, all right, we're just going to drop our center in, in zone drop coverage and just do the same thing every night. And we're going to win a, a ton of basketball games. I mean, most teams would happily do that, right? If this was just like the easiest thing to do, then everybody would do it. Um, but, you know, here we are. And not only did it work, you know, right off the bat in season one to the tune of 60 wins and a one seed and, you know, coming not really that. I mean, they were not far from going to the to the NBA Finals, right? I mean, that's the irony of of that that East Finals. I don't think they were. I would not. I, you know, again, I'm not going to say they were unlucky to lose to the Raptors, um, but they wouldn't have needed a lot more luck to to make it to the finals. And obviously, at that point, you know, who knows? Especially with what happened with with Golden State. So to come back the following year, I mean, the irony is, you know, everybody knows what the Bucks do do this year. Right. I mean, there's no secret what the Bucks were doing. And I, I mean, I, I thought the Bucks would win fewer games just because of that. I thought, well, they're going to take their foot off the gas a little bit, you know, et cetera. They'll win fewer games. I guess it's like 55, 56 wins and they end up at 56 wins while playing, you know, nine fewer games or whatever than, than, than in a normal season. So to, to basically double down on it and have it work even more in the second season, despite the fact that 
I think objectively you had less raw talent on the roster. You know, you lose Malcolm Brogdon. Obviously, you didn't have Miritich for the second half of the season as you did last year. Um, I mean, it's it's crazy. It's crazy that he got what he got out of this team in the regular season and that he's been able to unlock Giannis to the extent that he has. I mean, literally, I mean, Giannis is, is putting up historical numbers. We've talked about them at length. Um, and obviously that's probably going to, you know, certainly help him in terms of how Giannis views, you know, Bud as, as his coach, you know, for next year and potentially beyond. So, um, so, I mean, it is, it's sort of those things and, and, you know, people have brought up sort of like Dwayne Casey and like, well, Dwayne Casey, you know, was fired after being coach of the year. You know, there's been like George Carl got fired after being coach of the year in Denver. Um, but I mean, Bud's still only been here two years too. And, and so it, it is interesting. Like, I, I don't know if there would be any precedent for firing a guy after two seasons of the success he's had. And again, that doesn't mean that you can't fire him, right? Because I think in general, a lot of teams, I think, tend to hang on to coaches long enough because they don't have like a compelling reason to fire them when a lot of times they know that that guy's not ever going to be a great coach. Right. I think that happens all the time in the NBA that, that coaches just sort of hang on because they haven't done enough to get fired rather than do enough to prove that they're really like worth, you know, being the guy. Um, and obviously if you're in a, a team with elite ambitions like the Bucks that is a very risky angle to take because, you know, do, trying to like, you know, view it as uh, the coach has to prove that, that he's bad enough to be fired rather than he's good enough to still be your coach is obviously a dangerous proposition because it's going to lead you to probably hang on to guys too long. And that's, you know, that's a, a factor of life that we see in the NBA. And so it, it's just very difficult with Bud because it's it's a it's an it's a total anomal, anomalous situation to have a guy who has been so good at getting the most out of teams in the regular season, and then obviously to and not just fall short, um, but fall short in a way that I think you know just the minutes, some of the random rotations, you know, just the fact that like they just look disorganized, you know, defensively, like they then will randomly try to switch, but. Guys don't seem to know when they're switching and not, you know, it's just, it's just the organization just didn't seem to be there. Right. And they went from being a team that looked so well coached, so disciplined during the regular season to a team in the bubble that even when they were playing their base system, to be honest, you know, with the offensive turnovers, things like that, they just didn't look like a well-coached team anymore. And I, and I think there's obviously more to it than just bud, but clearly when you see a lot of issues across, you know, the entire team, um, you know, it's only natural that you're going to look at the coach and say, well, he, he deserves some of the blame. And, and I think, you know, Bud did himself no favors with some of the decision-making, uh, you know, the minutes, the way he talked about the minutes, you know, he's, he's given a lot of fodder for people to look at him as, as kind of the, the problem. Um, and I think, you know, I, I think that's fair. You know, I think my viewpoint personally would be, I, I mean, I don't think the Bucks are ever going to win a championship with Mike Budenholzer. I, I think if they had, you know, again, Nick Nurse, Brad Stevens, I think there'd be a, a very good chance that they could win a championship um, in the next couple of years. Um, but again, like this isn't the KD, you know, Warriors. This isn't, you know, the Jordan era Bulls that won 70 games, right? Like there's just a lot less certainty. There's, it, these things are way more competitive than I think maybe we'd sometimes would like to admit. 
So even when you're an awesome team, you know, do you have a one in three chance of winning a championship in a given year? You know, maybe that's about where the bucks were when they were kind of looking good and where the betting odds were. Um, and so again, like, again, like sticking with bud, I, I think is that, is that maximizing as you were alluding to, I think the, the floor raising versus ceiling raising, I think is a really good way to think about it. Um, is that, is that giving yourself the maximum chance to win a championship? I don't think it is, you know, I'm, I'm very sure that it's not. Um, but I think there's also an interesting dynamic here where, you know, are the bucks from an, like if you ask ownership and you really drill down to what they're doing and, and the way that they're making decisions, are they really trying to give themselves the highest chance of winning a championship, you know, next year? Or are they trying to basically just not lose Giannis? Mm-hmm. And, and I think obviously in the long term of this franchise, it's very reasonable to say keeping Giannis is goal number one. I don't, I don't know that I would even argue with that in a lot of ways because, you know, without Giannis, there, are no, there is no chance at a championship beyond, beyond next year, right? But it's a subtle difference because I think that be, in, in some ways, because Giannis is not demanding in the way, or at least he has not been today, because he has not been demanding of his ownership or the front office. He kind of isn't, he's about as easy a superstar as you're going to find, right? Now, granted, they signed his brother, but, you know, other than that, um, you know, they've traded away a lot of guys that were friends of his, you know, guys that he liked. They, you know, traded Brogdon in spite of the fact that, you know, that would have given them the most talented team last year to avoid basically the luxury tax. I mean, it was, you know, and again, no team paid the luxury tax this year. So it's not like, you know, the Bucks are the cheapest team in the world. They had the second highest payroll. Um, but the irony too is this would have been a great year to be in the tax because nobody else being in the tax means that there's far less of a, <laughs> there's, there's essentially some of the foregone, you know, luxury tax payments. You're not really missing out on much. Um, like nobody's getting a luxury tax payment this year. If you're, if you're a team that wasn't under the tax, but that's a whole, you know, kind of a different, different topic, but it, 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 I think it creates an interesting dynamic here and a problematic one you could argue because the bucks, because Giannis is probably likes bud and is happy to keep bud. It means the bucks are going to keep, you know, bud. And, you know, when you looked at last year's team, Giannis being a team guy and being so good with his teammates, I, I don't know, like, like, is that why we didn't really see a different team in large part, right? Is that why we thought that, is that why ownership thought they could get away with not paying Brogdon, not maybe maximizing the talent on the roster because ah, Giannis will be okay with it. He's accommodating, right? Um, and now it's that sort of lack of urgency, which may actually lead them to not take that home run swing to find a better coach. And again, I'm also just 10 minutes removed from saying that I am skeptical they could actually find a better coach. (laughs) So I know I'm talking a little bit out of both sides of my mouth. Um, But if you're talking purely about what gives you a best chance of winning a championship next year, I think there's a good case to be made that it doesn't involve Mike Budenholzer being the coach. Um, But it also opens up a whole lot of other risks, including, as you mentioned, the possibility that when you probably don't win a championship, that that is increasing the likelihood that you're losing on us in the long term. So it's a, it's a really 
it's a really complicated topic and and i i know there's a there's a there's a desire to kind of treat it as black and white and so i think there is a dimension of black and white there is the and i'm i'll say it like i don't think mike budenholzer is maximizing your championship odds and absolutely you know the elite coaches are going to put you at a disadvantage if he's the guy on your sideline um but if you're the bucks you that puts you in a very difficult spot because how are you going to improve on that is there certainty in in what you can do to actually close that gap and i, I don't know I, I feel like unfortunately the bucks are kind of between a rock and a hard place because you know if we talk about roster improvement and things like that there's very little room to improve this roster substantially <laughs> unfortunately you know they're really in a tough spot and so unfortunately i think we just look at all these factors it leads you to a scenario where this team is probably going to look very similar to what it did this year. And I think, you know, unfortunately for us and Bucks fans, that means there's a very likely high likelihood, you know, no matter how good the Bucks are going to be next year, we're going to just be sitting around saying, all right, well, it doesn't really matter. Wait till the playoffs and Oh God, what's going to happen in the playoffs. So anyway, not to be too fatalistic and depressing about it. Um, but it's a, re- I mean, the Bucks are in a very difficult situation for themselves and I feel like a lot of the factors when you think about the decision-making do sort of stack up towards leading you down a path that um, feels like lower risk. But I think it also, um, I, I, I don't know. I feel like it's also sort of putting you down a path that is going to put you into, you know, future teams are going to have lower and lower odds of winning a championship. Just because again, I think the roster talent is probably going to go down over time and, you know, are is Mike Budenholzer going to get better? Is Giannis going to get a lot better? Hopefully, he still can in the playoffs at least. Um, but but it's just tough. And and again, even after a few days of kind of marinating in this, um, it's a really it's a really tough time to kind of make make heads or tails of this and figure out how you kind of take that next leap. Because obviously, I think we saw this year that you know the Bucks were not as close as as they probably thought they were. Quick note about our friends at Built Bar now, Frank. We know the Built Bar is back and better than ever. They've got 18 amazing flavors. Six of those are new. So they've got the lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp, cookies and cream, caramel brownie. They're all among the new options. And, of course, there's the old classic classic favorites. Let me spit this out. Raspberry German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread. Uh, There's a bunch there that I know all you guys love. You know that Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. Great for those that are on the Kato diet. And we have a good deal for you, of course. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. The free cooler is still available with your purchase while supplies last I'm kind of surprised it's still there. Not going to be there for a long time. So don't mess around. Go to buildbar.com and place your order. So after the turbulent few years that they had with Jason Kidd, I think playing it safe is the right way to put this. It felt like it was a safe hire of Mike Boonholzer. It feels like the safe option is to keep him and, and, you know, maybe in the end, and I, I really wish I could fast forward, you know, five, ten years and see how this all plays out, particularly in regard to Giannis, but it does still feel 
And you can criticize whether the safe move is the way you go right now, as you sort of pointed to, Frank, perhaps a home run move for a new coach is, is going to give you the best chance at winning a championship next year. It also gives you a higher chance of disaster and then losing Giannis. So if you try and keep on that even kill, get yourself to the playoffs in a good position and hope for some change. Is that the best way to keep Giannis? I'm not so sure. From the fans' point of view, the the patience is not there in regards to winning a title, and I completely get that. You go into the playoffs two years in a row as the number one seed, best record in the NBA, and you fail in very similar ways, you're going to lose the benefit of the doubt, and you're going to lose that patience, and I think that's where we're sitting right now. The one thing I would say, in particular, you know, in regards to Bud and the way that he answers some things, and certainly his comments around the minutes in this postseason. And I'm there. I'm asking him the questions. He's giving me the answers. I'm reporting what he's saying. But Bud is a guy that's been around for a long, long, long time. He's been in the game for a long time. And I've always said this in regards to post-game press conferences or all media availability. Sometimes you need to take some things with a grain of salt. We, In the end, we don't know what was going on behind the scenes with this team particularly with Giannis. And you remember the ceiling comment with 35, 36 minutes. Giannis at the end of that game, I wrote about this, was 43rd in the NBA in playoffs for minutes per game. Uh, clearly, that's absolutely absurd for a, an MVP, soon to be two-time MVP. And when you look through the minutes per game in the postseason, the first buck is Chris Middleton. And he comes in at 29th at 35 minutes per game, despite the fact he played 48 and then another 40-plus in the last two games of the year. And then you have to go all the way down to Brook Lopez at 32 minutes for the next uh, buck. So, I mean, that kind of stuff needs to stop. We don't know the inside story of how these guys are feeling. The one thing I can be absolutely certain about is that, as I mentioned, Bud's been around for a long time, and I have no doubt. As I said, he's a player's coach, and he will take the fall, and he's not going to care about people saying that he can do this, and he, he's not this type of coach, and he can't lead them to a championship. He's not going to care about that. He would rather take the fall than, than any of the blame go to his players. I think in game three, uh, we very quickly realized that Giannis went down again in game four. I think game three, the way his minutes were being managed, clearly he wasn't healthy. Giannis would never admit that. Bud didn't admit that. I think that that was Bud taking the fall in that regard, but his playoff rotations are going to continue to be a talking point. One thing I want to ask you, though, is because we talk about this roster and it's hard to project the way the Bucks are going to play next year because we don't know who's going to be back. There's going to be certainly wholesale changes to the bench, at least, potentially to the starters. We know that they're going to try and do something. But when we talk about how united this locker room is, when we look at the guy who's leading this team, Giannis, and his personality and the way he is, I've seen some suggestions that Bud is going to be that player's coach. He's going to have everyone on the same page. But I, I don't know whether the Bucks have that player and you think about a LeBron or you think about a Chris Paul or you think about a Kevin Durant. You think about these guys that quite honestly probably wouldn't put up with the same shit happening over and over and over and over again. They probably just would not do it. They would stand up. They would say, bud, I'm not, I'm not fucking playing 30 minutes tonight, okay? I, I'm not doing it. I'm playing 40 minutes. This is the playoffs. What the hell are you on about? The Bucks don't seem to have that guy. Giannis certainly isn't that guy. He's so respectful. He's a competitor. He says himself, I would play 48 minutes every single night, but he doesn't seem, and this is, this is me projecting from what you hear about him, what we know about him, what you, how you hear him speak, but he's so respectful that he's not going to be the type of guy that's going to put his foot down 
And I just wonder with this Bucks roster if, if they are missing that as well. Some sort of leader, some sort of dog like that that's going to say, it's going to take over and, and demand that things change a little bit. And I, and I do wonder when you see these reports out about this team that Bucks ownership apparently is aware that some things need to change and this team gets to get, has to get better. The whole Giannis thing and not being that type of leader is interesting to me because I think in one respect, it gives you confidence and that's why we love him and that's why we think he would actually be the guy to buck the trend and stay in Milwaukee long-term. But I wonder in those situations how that has an effect on, on Bud and this team. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because I think we all, everybody who's a Bucks fan, I think, just loved the, the just like this team, like the guys on this team, the um, the way that we saw them interact with each other. Obviously, we don't know the full extent of their friendships and things like that. But, you know, you just saw like the camaraderie. I mean, like I, I think of Bledsoe, right? A guy that, you know, is certainly, um, I mean, I, I wish Eric Bledsoe could could just figure it out. Right. I think we all just wish he could prove, you know, all of yeah. our skepticism wrong and, and just have a terrific playoffs and be a guy that, you know, turned a playoff series at a crucial moment. Um, but I mean, it's three years in a row now where the Bucks lose in a series where he is just a complete shell of himself and the team, the opposing team is able to basically just treat him like, you know, He's a nobody, basically, you know, and um, and it's sad, right? I mean, you see the the friendship he has with Chris Middleton, and you know the the brotherhood and camaraderie that you know this team has in general. Um, and it sucks, right? We all wanted this team to win together, right? We all wanted to see this group um, for what they've been through over the past few years, you know, especially the last two years since obviously the core of the team has been the same here since Bud got, got to Milwaukee. I mean, to see, to see Eric Bledsoe redeemed would be, would be incredible. And I think we all wanted that. Um, but, you know, we're at the point where I just don't, I don't know how you go into next year, you know, with Bud as your coach with Bledsoe as your starting point guard in particular. Um, and, and think that like now is going to, this is now it's going to be different. Right. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's tough. And I don't know, you know, and, and I think the, you know, the extreme, the extreme example, obviously that everybody, I think understandably has sort of seized on is this idea of, well, what, you know, what if you traded for Chris Paul, right? And I mean, you'd have to trade like a third of the roster just to make the salaries work to, to acquire Chris Paul. But obviously, um, you know, I think most versions of a trade like that would involve not only Chris Paul, but probably George Hill uh, as well. Um, and CP3 would be a <laughs> would be a very interesting personality <laughs> to throw into this team, right? And uh, you know, CP3's personality has worked out in some cases, and and not so much in other cases. Now, I don't if if he fall, has a falling out with James Harden, I don't know if that really counts against him. I think if you're especially a Bucks fan and a Giannis <laughs> fan, maybe that's a a merit, uh, a merit point. If, like, like, oh, if you don't like James, James Harden, Harden, yeah, come in, man. We, we, yeah, we, we welcome all fit. you guys. <laughs> exactly. Perfect fit. But, um, but you know, I mean, you can't help but think, right. I mean, as, and as much as Eric Bledsoe's defense has, I mean, you know, the, his work rate and, and what he did for long stretches in that series against Miami, um, I mean, was still like, I mean, he did as much as you, as a guy could, uh, you know, in, in many situations, not like he was, you know, pouting and, and not trying on defense for all his struggles on offense. But I mean, you know, it, you can't help but wonder what is that series? How is that series different? If it's, you know, Chris Paul and 
okay, maybe some of the different role players around him. But, you know, if it's Chris Paul and, and Chris Middleton and Giannis and Brooke Lopez and, you know, keep Wesley Matthews and, you know, throw a few other guys in there, um, you know, how is that series different, right? Or, or last year's Raptors series, right? When nobody, literally nobody could, you know, Chris, Giannis, uh, Brogdon, everybody was essentially pretty poor offensively against the Raptors. Um, so I, again, I don't know if that's, I, I think that's really the, to me, that is really the question, you know, if we're talking about what is the risk that this ownership group is willing to take, uh, you know, that question to me is, is now, cause I think the bud question is probably more or less sealed. Um, you know, they're not willing to risk, uh, the, the, the upheaval that could come with trying to bring in a new coach right now with this group. Um, so now the question is, okay, roster <laughs> and, you know, some of the holes in this roster, the, you know, the fact that this is a, a bunch of, you know, non-shooters who shoot a lot of threes, um, and, you know, some of the limitations in terms of shot creation. Um, I, I think now, obviously the, the question is, what are you really willing to do? And, and, you know, Paul is sort of the extreme example, but, you know, when you talk about him, you're talking about not only are you trading a bunch of players because you have to make a salary work, you know, what do you, you have to put picks in that deal? Uh, probably because Sam Presti is, is going to put you <laughs> over a barrel because he knows you're desperate. Right. And why does, and what does Sam Presti want with Eric Bledsoe? Right. Um, or, or, or Sonny Silva or whatever. Uh, so, you know, are you willing to go all in on a, what 36 year old point guard who's owed uh, what $70 million or whatever over the next two years. Um, you know, are you willing to do that and then go into the luxury tax properly to have a team that is now even older than it was before in order to try to win that championship next year? I mean, to me, that is a fascinating gut check litmus test, call it whatever you want um, for this organization. And I, I don't, I don't think it's a no brainer. Um, but I think given what we've seen from this team and, you know, the issues they've had, I think some kind of move, uh, especially a point guard is, is desperately needed, especially if you're not going to make a, a head coaching change, there's gotta be some, there's gotta be something changing that, uh, that addresses, you know, some of the big issues we've seen, uh, in the playoffs. And, and to me, I mean, personally, I don't know if you feel differently to me, the three most obvious issues that we've seen over the past two years are you know, Bud and kind of his varied, various sort of tactical slash, um, you know, minute rotation wise uh, quirks, maybe charitable um, failings, maybe, maybe uh, we'd probably want to put it, but you know, the, the minutes, some of the random rotations um, and then obviously just the fact that you went all in on a defense. And even this year, when you had, you were running away with the season, you still really didn't, you really didn't experiment very much with trying to do different things, right? You're now in year three next year. If you're not going to experiment then with different approaches, you know, different defensive styles, you're never going to, right? So there's the bud question. Doesn't seem like he's going anywhere. So he's got to answer that question for himself. There's the Bledsoe question, which again, I don't think Eric Bledsoe is becoming a different player next year, unfortunately. So I think that's where you have to make a trade. And then there's, Giannis, who let's be honest, if Giannis can't outplay Jimmy Butler in a playoff series, that's a problem. <laughs> like that's, that's a big problem. Um, 
and he's got to improve in his game, but obviously you're not trading Giannis. I don't think we'll ever have that discussion seriously. So how can Giannis get better and add dimensions to his game that, you know, we knew he needed to add a year ago too, but you know, when he, when we needed the most for all the improvement he showed shooting both, not just threes, but I mean, he was definitely much better from the mid range this year as well. We didn't see any of that in the playoffs and uh, especially in that, that Miami series. So, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if we close the chapter, you know, if like there are multiple chapters here, Kane, when we <laughs> talk about diagnosing what to do next with the bucks. Um, to me that I, I, and again, not this, that nothing can change this summer because we've seen coaches be safe. And then, you know, two days later, right. The yeah. famous Larry Harris, the, the Larry Harris sink or swim with Terry Porter comment. And then two days later, whatever he was fired. So again, not, not that there's nothing that could change Bud's future, but you know, as I've been saying kind of for the past, as soon as things started to go south in the Miami series, my view was they're not going to have the guts slash, you know, whatever cojones, whatever you want to call it to, to actually, to actually, well, to actually uh, make a coaching change. I don't think that they just are ready to do that. And, you know, again, whether that's the right move or the wrong move uh, depends a lot on sort of also what your opinion is of the Bucks front office and ownership and whether they can actually replace them. But, um, but I think uh, to me, that one, that one is, is going to be a bud internal improvement question. And then, I think, you know, the other two questions are the, the other big ones that, uh, that I have around this team. No, I, I agree with the, the three points that you made there. Again, uh, we spoke about this, and, and I agree with your earlier comment that I, I can't go into next season with any real confidence about the Bucs having playoff success, about the Bucs winning a championship with Bud as coach. That is really unfortunate. I do think I do understand why they would keep him, though. Hopefully, we've sort of tried to explain why that would make some sense as well, even if you are someone that is is 100% out on him, uh, wants him gone no matter what. I do think that if you take a step back, there is some reasoning why they would do that. Again, as you sort of pointed to, I think this is more about keeping Giannis long-term, and this may be the safe play there, whether or not it's the time to play safe. Who knows? And as far as the roster goes... We don't know. I still think this is going to be the biggest area where the Bucs can win a championship, even if Bud is coached. They need to find some guys that can create shots, can shoot shots. Before we wrap this up, one stat that stands out to me, and this is, again, why this Bucks team, as much as we didn't want to admit it, they were a regular season team and they've been found out to be two years in a row with Giannis. And we may as well call him a non-shooting big man. And he is, and he, he goes out and he shoots, and credit to him. And I will never rule out the fact that he'll come back and be even better again next year because this is what he does every single season. But this year and the last two seasons, he's been a non-shooting big. He's been a dunker. He's been a restricted area player. And I don't think there's ever been a restricted area player that has been able to get it done without someone that can create, without someone that can get their own shot. Credit to Chris Milton. He obviously tried, but they need a point guard that commands some respect of the, of the opposition. In the regular season, the Bucs attempted 21.3 wide-open three-point attempts per game. Against Miami, they only attempted 10.4. That shit's going to keep happening to this team as, as it's currently constructed because they don't have anyone that can knock down shots. They give the ball to Giannis. It's stagnant. No one's moving. If you're going into a series and relying on back cuts to get your baskets to win a game of basketball, you're going to really struggle. And I think that ultimately, as much as the frustrations are there about Bud, the roster has been found out to be the last two seasons as potentially one that's going to struggle to get you success in the postseason. But I think, Frank, we can finish it up. As you said, the, the unfortunate thing and perhaps the little bit depressing thing about this Bucks team is that 
you're going to go into next season and, and maybe there'll be more optimism depending on what happens over the next few months. And as you said, we're talking like he is going to be back. We think he will be, um, but things can change. But the unfortunate thing will be you'll go into the regular season next year. And this year, we were sort of still hopeful. And we thought, well, maybe things will change. Maybe it'll be okay in the postseason. Next year's regular season is going to be a grind, my friend. <laughs> I mean, I've been a Bucks fan for almost 30 years. So, you know, if I can look forward to regular seasons that, that you know, the, the 20 plus years of regular seasons, you know, especially from, you know, the early 2000s to the, uh, you know, the pre-Bud days, you know, I'll find a way to, 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 to come back. We need a break. We clearly need a break. Sounds like the league, uh, there's been in, in suggestions that the league may take a longer, you know, this whole December 1st nonsense is, is justifiably, it sounds like going out the window because they're realizing that, you know, rushing back to play in front of no fans makes no sense. So we may have a long, a, a more of a regular off season to kind of decompress. And uh, I'm not looking forward to, I mean, you alluded to it. I think both of us would probably guess that Giannis does not sign any type of extension. Um, and again, not because he's, you know, demanding a trade or planning his, his exit in 2021, but just because he probably wants to wait and see. Right. And I, I think that would probably be a very prudent move if I were him. Um, you know, what, what you're, you're, someone's going to give you a massive, massive amount of money, no matter if you sign it this summer or the following summer. So as far as urgency goes, I don't really think he probably needs to have much and he already has a hundred million dollar contract in his back pocket. So it's not like, you know, he's never made any money. So, um, that I, I will be avoiding, uh, I'm pretty much like losing all my podcasts. Like I'm not going to listen to any like national podcasts for a while because I just can't stand that topic of, of having to hear people talk about the box and everything. So I need to find some non-sports podcasts is basically what I'm saying. But thankfully I, I still look forward to talking to you, Kane. And uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we don't bump people too much, too, too much, uh, bump, bump people out too much uh, over the next few months as we try to get through this off season, because it's probably not going to be all that pleasant, but uh, we will see. There may still be some fireworks as, as we're alluding to. No, I've said this to you before, Frank. Uh, talking to you and talking through things, bouncing ideas off you makes me feel better. And I'm, I'm constantly surprised at our listeners that reach out and say how much they enjoy. And it's typically episodes like this one or episodes like the one after game three where they say, yeah, I was feeling the same thing. But I, I think not listening to a national podcast where you can get frustrated and think that it's all bullshit. Listening to people that actually watch the team, I think is there's something therapeutic about that. So uh, yeah, I, I'm sure we'll be able to talk through all this together. The one thing I will say is I know this podcast in general, there's going to be some people that may agree with some of the things we said. I'm sure that there's going to be people that will be pissed off with some of the things we said. I am hundred percent certain of that uh, next week or certainly in the near future, Frank, uh, we do want to do a mailbag. So as I wrap this up, I will say hit us up with the questions at locked on. Bucks and also lockedonbucks at gmail.com. Uh, you can get your questions in there and we'll get to those if there's anything that you wanted to bounce off us about. Bud, the roster, Giannis, the front office, anything like that, uh, hit us up and, and throw us all your fake trades as well. We, there's, there's nothing we like more than going through fake trades <laughs> and, uh, and discussing what the Bucks could do for the offseason. But we had to have the Bud conversation. We've done it here. That'll wrap up a week. I really wished at the start of this week that we would be still talking about games, but the off-season is here. We'll be back next week, as I said, get those questions in. Frank, have a great weekend, my friend, and to all the listeners. 
Stay safe out there and we'll be back next week.